Bibles, turn to John, 1 John. And uh, again, just a simple reminder, uh, we are headed towards Easter. Uh, if you just imagine Jesus Christ and his life, uh, he is on his way to Calvary. And, um, you know, as a buddy of mine, we were talking just this week that Jesus Christ we were reminding each other of the scripture that Jesus said that his face was set towards Jerusalem. Uh, there was no turning back for him. He was definitely going to die for those whom he loved. And so this morning, uh, as we head towards this celebration called Easter, uh, again, just trying to unpack all of the wonderful things that God has done for us, and in another one of those areas, trying to understand uh, the heart of God, uh, this morning I want to speak to you about the blood. And this morning, uh, title for uh, this morning's sermon is The Blood, God's Detergent. The Blood, God's Detergent. And uh, again, we'll be looking at as our main text first. John, we'll be looking at verses, uh, uh, chapter, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, verses 5 through 10. And um, I want to uh, remind you of a couple of songs uh, that are oftentimes sung in church. Uh, you might be familiar with Nothing But the Blood. Uh, you might be familiar with the tune, What Can Wash Away? my sins, right? Uh, it, the refrain goes, nothing uh, but the blood of Jesus, right? Is the reply, is the answer, is the refrain. And when you think about the blood, the blood was one of those things that was necessary for us, right? It was necessary that Jesus shed his blood. When we think about Christianity, the blood is essential to Christianity. You know, without the blood, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it says, without the blood, there can be no remission of sin. In 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 7, it says that his blood cleanses us from all sin. And regardless of the sin, in Christianity, we need to understand that this blood can cleanse us. But using blood for cleaning is foreign to us. I want you to think about that. This is something that we say on a regular basis. We see this in the scripture that the blood is necessary for cleaning the thing that brings us to the point of death. But this type of cleaning, we don't use blood for cleaning. You know, if you get salad dressing on your favorite outfit, I guarantee you, you're not looking for blood to clean out that stain. You know, we live in a world where people are always trying to find the best types of cleaners. We're looking for the best type of toothpaste in order to clean our teeth. We're looking for the best type of of, of uh, carpet solution to clean our floors. 
We're looking for the best facial cleansers. We're looking for the best soaps for our bodies. The world we live in is is important. Cleaning is important. And we're always looking for the best detergents for our cleansing. I need to give us a little bit of background if we're going to discuss this whole issue of blood. This blood being used for cleansing. You see, when we talk about the blood, we're talking about animal sacrifice. We're talking about particular animals. We're talking about uh, 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 what kind of animal. We're talking about Jesus himself, right? And then we're talking about, finally, blood. All of those things require some background. And I want us to start in the Old Testament. You see, first you had this animal sacrifice. And when we talk about an animal sacrifice, we have to understand that the animal sacrifice was a symbol. It was a symbol. And when we think about a symbol, we need to understand that a symbol is a representation of a process. It's a representation of a process. And so this blood represented life. The blood represents life. And the killing of the animal was symbolic, right, for the consequences of sin. Because remember, sin brought forth death. And so this animal sacrifice was a symbol uh, for the consequence of Death. Instead of us dying, the animal would die in our place. This was all instituted in the Old Testament. This is God's institution. This whole thing of animal sacrifice, something that would be foreign to us, was something that was instituted by God as a symbol. This was a process that God instituted. You so you see this this symbol. This animal sacrifice was also supposed to be a deterrent. You see this animal being killed, his blood dripping from his neck. That was supposed to remind you of that. That could be you dying for your sin. And so it was supposed to be a deterrent to cause you to not want to sin. Death was the result of sin is what God was trying to teach you with the animal sacrifice. If you sin, as the, as the scripture says, you shall surely die. And so this symbolized, this animal symbolized a substitute. Instead of you, the animal. The animal's life instead of mine. This animal was a symbolic ransom for the crimes that had been committed. So these sins that took place, this animal would be a ransom for the things that were done wrong towards God. It was God's way of covering the sin. And I think we need to keep that in mind because the covering aspect is important. This was not forgiveness. This was purely God long-suffering. 
You see, God would long suffer. He would wait. And he waited by his grace until the appointed time will come Jesus Christ. We've all made, well, we might have heard of this holiday known as Yom Kippur, right? And that term Yom Kippur or Kippur means to cover. And so when we talk about an animal sacrifice, when you see someone mention uh, Yom Kippur, this celebration, it has to do with covering. The covering of sins. But God is going to go a little bit further. You see, this blood that comes from the life of the animal, this blood represents life. Blood represented the life. Sin brings forth death. So the sprinkled blood acted as a detergent cleaning up the stains of sin. You see, the other thing we need to see with God is that God has always been in the business of demonstrating his grace and his mercy. Because God is the one who created the animals. And because God is the one who created the animals, when God tells mankind to go get a sacrifice, it's not man who is providing the sacrifice, it's God who has always provided the sacrifice. God provided the sacrificial animals. Salvation is by God's grace and mercy. It's by God's grace and mercy. And so you have this God who even at the initiation of animal sacrifice, with us not being able to fully comprehend the ways of God, God is putting on display his grace and justice from the very beginning at the institution as something as strange as animal sacrifice, as something as strange as the utilizing of blood for the purpose of cleansing. Let's read 1 John really quickly, and then we'll get into the animal itself. But 1 John chapter 1, starting at verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And let me just pause for a moment. Here you have the apostle John, who's reaching out to a group of believers who have uh, been dealing with some people who are coming with a false doctrine. And so John is giving forth to them the correct teaching in regards to who Christ is and not only to who, uh, in regards to who Christ is, but the proper things that God has done in eternity past. And so he's telling them, this is the message we've heard directly from him and he says, we haven't made this up and we're going to proclaim it directly to you. We're giving it to you straight. And he says this, he says, God is light and in him is no darkness, meaning there is no evil in God. 
And he says, and if we say we have fellowship with him, fellowship was a unique type of relationship. It has to do with unity. Koinonia is unity, right? Everyone in the like, everyone being like-minded, going the same direction. And so John says, if we have this like-mindedness, this koinonia, this fellowship, this unity with him, he says, while we walk in darkness, we lie. He says, you can't walk in darkness and say you have some sort of unity with God. You're going the opposite directions. And so he goes on in the text. He says, we lie and we do not practice the truth. He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him. We have a unity with him. And he goes on to say, say here in the text, he says, and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. He says, if you are walking in the same direction of God, the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Key word I want you to key in on. The usage of the word blood and then the term here cleanses. In the original language this word cleanses has to do with it being cleansed already and not only it being cleansed already but it currently cleaning and not only is it currently cleaning but it also cleanses past present and future the work of Jesus Christ has covered us in every direction so whichever way that you have sinned at the very beginning now and in the future Jesus has you covered and the way that God does this cleansing is through the blood the blood of Jesus Christ. Now let's go back to the background aspect. We got the animal sacrifice and the details of the animal sacrifice. But then we need to talk about the animal itself. You see, God is specific about the animal that he chooses. If you go back into Exodus when they're about to exit Egypt and God is given the instructions on what kind of animal to use for the Passover feast, he says you need to get a young goat kid or a you lamb he's specific right a goat kid and a you lamb would be about one year old what that means is that that animal would be fully grown fully grown he had reached maturation and then God goes on to say that you need to make sure that you choose a male goat kid or a male you lamb. It had to be male. He's specific there. Then he goes on and he tells them in that text that this lamb has to be perfect. This lamb has to have no defects. Now, I want you to pause for a second 
if you eat a cow or a steak from a cow that have a, a damaged eye or a, a broken leg, I want to share with you that it does not affect the meat. The meat is still good. And this whole issue of God saying that you need to pick a perfect lamb with no defects, right? This was an issue of spiritual obedience. This was spiritual observance. You go out and get me the best that you have in your possession and you give it to me. This was all about spiritual obedience. All of this was for the purpose of a eventual deliverance. All of this animal sacrifice and the animal choice all had to do with an eventual deliverance that was to come. A perfect God brought forth the perfect provision to make a perfect people. Let me say this one more time. This eventual deliverance by God, a perfect God, he would deliver for us a perfect provision in Jesus Christ for the very purpose of delivering or making a perfect people for himself. Faith and obedience is the basis for animal sacrifice. Let's go another step here. You got your animal sacrifice, you have your animal selection. And how does that relate to Jesus? Well, you have Jesus, who was young. He was 33 years old at his point of death. Not only was he young, but he was also male. Not only was he young and male, but Jesus Christ was perfect. He is the God-man. 100% man, 100% God, without defect, meaning without sin. Then you have the blood. Remember, they would take this animal, this perfect animal, with all the correct details, young, male, right? Perfect. They would slice this animal's neck and all the blood would drain out of the animal's neck. And when you read the Passover, they were to take the blood and mark it over the door so that the death angel would pass over. And this the place that God told them to put it, it was supposed to be public facing on the, on the doorpost so that other people could see that these people were marked for the very purpose that God would pass over them, the wrath of God would pass over them. And so you have to remember that the primary purpose of blood is for the delivery from death. The blood is the life. And the, the, the slicing of the animal's neck and the dipping into the blood was for the primary purpose of being delivered from death. And I want to share with you just 
three points, four points in regards to this blood. First of all, this blood was perfect blood. You know, as we just said in Old Testament, the lamb had to be perfect. That's Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, verse 5 communicates that this lamb had to be perfect, right? And not only is he perfect, right? But Jesus Christ also was that perfect lamb. First Peter 1 and 19 says Jesus Christ was the perfect lamb of God. He was the perfect son of God without spot or blemish. Not only was he perfect and being without spot or blemish, you have this God-man who was born to the Virgin Mary. And because he was born through the Virgin Mary, he had a special blood which could cleanse from all sin because he was without sin. You see, if it would have been a man's blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. So it was a perfect blood. But not only was it a perfect blood, it was a precious blood. And when we talk about it being precious, meaning that it, it, it has a tremendous value. Precious means something that cost a great price. This, this blood of Jesus, it caused Jesus to die upon the cross. I want you to look at John chapter 3, verses 14. John chapter 3, verses 14. And in John chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, the text says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wild, in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus being lifted up as the serpent was lifted up, meaning Christ had to die. It was going to be his life for ours. You know, as you already can see, lambs and goats, guess what? They couldn't pay for sin. They didn't forgive sin. All they did was cause God to cover them. For him to, to be labor, to, 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 to be long-suffering until Christ died. It covered them. But when Jesus came, the blood of Jesus washed away the sins. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Text says in John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Taking away and just covering, that's a big difference. You know, in Christianity, oftentimes we 
come across these terms, Jesus being the Lamb of God. I knew it was the blood for me. You know, without further examination, these things don't make sense. But when you study them and you see what God, his love actually meant for us, you understand the precious term by calling Jesus Christ the Lamb of God. You see, the taking away of sin doesn't come through a church. The taking away of sin doesn't come through a man. The taking away of sin doesn't come through a religion. But the taking away of sin is only through Christ Jesus. We are redeemed, as we spoke about a few weeks ago, by the blood of the Lamb. You know, Peter makes it clear. Peter is talking to a group of people who are relying on their uh, Jewish ancestry. They're in a, a midst of turmoil. And, Jesus, and Peter is trying to help them to understand their situation and causing them to not look at their ancestry, but to look at who Jesus Christ actually is. And Peter tells them, listen, it's not through your ancestry. Neither is it through who you, uh, um, what you have, right? This is what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18. It says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. He says, not with the perishable things. He's saying it's not with these, these things that will fade away. He says, such as silver or gold. He says, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of a, blank, a, a lamb, excuse me, without blemish or spot. That's what Peter is communicating. We're redeemed by that precious blood. Not only is Christ's blood perfect, not only is it precious, but Christ's blood is also a prevailing blood. It cleanses us from all sin, 1 John chapter 7 says. Not some sin, but every sin, Christ's blood washes it away. It's not what we have done, but what Christ has done for us. As I told you before, the life is in the blood. I want you to look back to the Old Testament in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 17. God is clear. God tells us so that we won't be blind or unaware. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 1 it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, right, saying, yeah, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the people of Israel and say to them, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. If anyone of the house of Israel kills an ox or a lamb or a goat in the camp 
or kills it outside the camp and does not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting to offer it as a gift to the Lord in front of the tabernacle, uh, excuse me, of the Lord, blood guilt shall be imputed to the man. He has shed blood and that man shall be cut off from among his people. The Lord is communicating that in the blood is the life. And through the blood comes peace. Colossians chapter 120 says that his blood cleanses us and gives us peace with God. Not only does it give us peace, but it it purges us. It cleanses us right through the blood. Hebrews chapter nine. Hebrews chapter nine says there is power in the blood of Jesus. And that power makes the worst of all sinners, right? It, it changes us and, and, and it makes us the best of all Christians through the blood of Christ. Here you have a, a blood that is perfect, a blood that's precious, a blood that prevails, and a blood that's powerful. You see, God has done all of these wonderful spiritual things for us. But I want you to know that he's also done some physical things for us. You see, through the work of Jesus Christ, his powerful blood, his blood has healed us. You know, sick uh, sin has tainted our bodies. But because of the work of Jesus Christ, what you will receive on the other side, is a new body. You have been healed through the work of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven by his blood. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 communicates that we have been forgiven because of the blood of Christ. Not only are we forgiven, but we're also justified by his blood we're no longer guilty as Leviticus chapter 17 verse 1 says don't be one who is full of blood guilt because of Jesus Christ we are made right before him not guilty Romans chapter 5 verse 9 and because of his blood we are sanctified by his blood meaning we are cleaned up God has cleansed us. Those old things that we used to cling to, those old things that we used to idolize, because of what he's done for us, he has swept us clean. And we're no longer who we used to be, but we're now looking more and more every day like Jesus Christ. We're sanctified. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12 says, And as I said a few weeks ago, we are redeemed by his blood. He has purchased us from our old slave master. And we are now the slaves of Christ. I can't tell you how many times in the scripture Paul says, I, Paul, the bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are slaves of his. We've been redeemed. And I love this part. You know, oftentimes 
in our own communities. You know, we talk about family and things of that nature. And we'll say, oh, that's my blood, right? Meaning that we are related. Because of the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, we have been brought close by his blood. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2. Because of the work of Christ, Christ has moved us in our relationship from being slaves to sin to now being sons of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 states clearly, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, <laughs> you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but hearing something like that, knowing where you used to be, knowing who you once were, knowing what you used to do, here you have Paul telling you by way of God, that you are no longer far off, but you are now near to him. That's a pause. That's a thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And all you need to do is look around in the world we live in to see people are far off. My wife and I were talking this morning. People are far off. Not only are they far off, but they want to go further away. We live in a, we have to recognize this. We need to know right where we are. And that should motivate us to the point to share with Jesus, share Jesus Christ with folks so that they might be brought near. Let me tell you something. Being far off is problematic. There's a result for, for being far off. You see, in the last day, the one thing you need to understand is that the last day, those who have not been brought near, well, guess what? They will be far off. And they'll be far off for all of eternity. I was telling my wife this morning, my grandmother's famous words that would terrify me to death, even as a young kid. She would say, I sure hope they get home before dark. She would say that about people who did not know the Lord. She would say, I sure hope they get home before dark. And what she was saying was that those people, if it gets too late, it's going to be too late. We thank Jesus for his blood. That's God's detergent. That's how he cleanses. It may seem strange, but we have to remember that this 
is the way by which God cleans things up through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, this morning, Lord God. We thank you that you are a God who desires that we come near. Lord, that you have gone through great depths to bring us near. This cost you something. This cost you your son. It cost Jesus his life. Knowing that the blood of the Old Testament, those animal sacrifices were just nothing more but a symbol of a process, something that was going to happen for real, that Jesus was marched to Calvary and die upon the cross. And it's incumbent upon us that we understand that this perfect blood, this, this precious blood, this prevailing blood, this powerful blood was all for us. And so, Lord, we pray and ask that we would be those this morning who share with the world that is far off about this detergent. When we get a local detergent here in the world, when we, when we get something that works for us, we tell people, this works for me. Help us to do the same thing with the gospel. This has worked for me and it can work for you too. It will clean you up. Father, we ask this in your son, Jesus Christ's name this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.